Hello, and welcome to Building Your T-Shirt Empire. My name is Cole, and with me, as always, is Gavin. Gavin, how you doing? This is our first show since the ISS show. Uh, are you back in the normal swing of things? I am doing good. After ISS, I was, I was exhausted. I was really exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I had to take a whole day just to like get my body back and my mind back. ISS was that crazy. So I'm, I'm good. I'm good right now. Yeah, Joni's voice was messed up for like 48 hours. She like <laughs> she kept talking so much that she couldn't talk when she was back. It was great. It was yeah. uh, it was amazing to see how many people you would run into at that show. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, I got to go do this thing. And then before you'd get to the thing, you'd hit another person. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you too. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty nonstop. So, hey, man, you are an industry celebrity. That's what that is. It was uh, it was a lot of people that I ended up knowing. It was a, it was bizarre to see everyone that I actually realized I knew. So uh, the class ended up going really well. We had like, what, 70 plus people in your and my systems class. Um, and I was really happy with it. I felt like we had changed it enough yeah. that some of the kinks were ironed out. What did you think about the class? Yeah. So I think our class, every time we do it, well, every time we do it, it gets better and better. Like just mm -hmm. uh, from the speaker's point of view, uh, we ironed it, ironed out a few things. Delivery was a lot better. So that means the, I'm sure the audience got so much from it. I think that class, man, is like a major, major steal. Like if I had um, attended that class when I was starting out, that they would have changed the game for me completely. Cause I would have gotten to see how somebody just like run their shop. And that's what we're doing with this, uh, with this class is like, we're literally open up our business and let you guys like take a, take a peek. Yeah, and I got some people who followed up after asking for like our our different zaps and our different systems, and I didn't really have a way to functionally provide them. Um, so if people are interested in some sort of breakout that we could maybe package, then we could figure out how to offer that where you could implement the same zaps inside of your business. Um, so yeah, let me know in the comments if that's worth putting together, because it might be just kind of a tool set that we could start offering to people. Yeah, I, I, um, so you had a different, you had a, a panel that you did and that mm -hmm. panel, honestly, I've been going to the shows for the past however long, let's just say nine years, eight, nine years. And when I peeked into your class, it was the busiest class I've ever seen. Like as far yeah, as attendees and the room was filled. So like really great job on that. Like, yeah, how was thanks. that for you? It was insane because I had way too good of guests. <laughs> so it was, we had Steven and Bruce, um, which everyone knows from their podcast. And then also, you know, Steven owns Campus Inc. Mm -hmm. And Bruce literally built Printavo from the ground up. Um, we had Matt Marcotte, who was turning into like the AI king. Yeah. So he was amazing to listen to because he told me a little bit later on, He'll like get off from his normal day job at Inktavo and then just be up till 1 or 2 a.m. messing with the AI, trying to push it and break it. <laughs> and his screen print GPT tool, which is now being funded by the industry, is available to everyone. And he's basically training it on as much data as the industry has so that he can just push it to the absolute limit. 
and allow anyone to ask it any question about printing t-shirts. So having him on the panel was awesome. We also had Travis and we had, uh, we had John Ladd from Terminus Tees. And John's really cool because the way he handles (laughs) marketing is so automated that his customers always feel like they're having a personal experience without necessarily having to have individual customer service people remember to contact them. And so listen to how he uses tools like HubSpot to automate marketing and not just like get around to a weekly email newsletter was really impressive because he's giving his customers like a, a flow and a experience that most of us are not giving them. Yeah. Dude, imagine like taking all the brains of those people and putting them in one brain. You just have like millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, we could have done we could have done three hours. Like we were barely touching QA when they told us the time was up. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna do it again in Atlantic City. It'll be a slightly different group. It sounds like Matt is gonna be back. Um, and then besides that, we're finalizing the new people that are going to be there. Um, But AI and automation, like everyone wants to talk about it. And there's so much that could or could happen or won't happen or whatever. that it's an endless topic right now. And everyone's trying to figure out what they can do with it. Even if it's a small shop, there's tools that will just make you more productive every day. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. Uh, You probably broke the record for the most attended class ever. Yeah unofficially yeah well they told me that there was 130 sold tickets that were single tickets but then there's the people that get the all weekend pass and Mm -hmm. those people i don't know the numbers on so it was definitely more than the 130 that paid for the single pass and then uh we had no chairs like the room was out of chairs the room was it was crazy it was good it was good that's awesome man so at the while at the show uh, show was busy, but there mm-hmm. was a lot of new stuff at the show, new equipment, new products, new, just new stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. What did you see at the show that you want to talk about that was that caught your attention and that the people should know about? Well, I think the thing that is most interesting to screen printers, since we're all kind of got this the threat of DTF hanging over over <laughs> us or the opportunity, however you want to see it. Yeah. Um, the main thing that I was interested in was the Rock Impress yeah. because it's a carousel heat press for DTF transfers. So you're loading and unloading the same way you're used to with screen printing. But now you're able to do 400 plus DTFs in an hour. Um, and you're doing this on the same kind of carousel that you're already buying from Rock for your screen printing. So doing that kind of high output DTF. really changes the game on what you would even offer as a minimum. Um, We recently did a quote for a thousand uh, tote bags and on a thousand tote bags, it was going to cost me like 71 cents for the transfers. uh, And then I would heat press them or it was going to cost me the labor to set up very difficult, like six, seven color uh, detailed designs. Mm. And right now I'm on the edge. Like I might just order these as transfer, even though it's a thousand units. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see how people start to implement these different heat presses. But the other thing that was basically their first, and in a lot of ways is why the impress was kind of invented, is the Stampinator. And the Stampinator had what I thought was a very cool idea, which was a manual Stampinator. Yeah. This allows you to use the Stampinator 
as either something on your manual press that you use to just smooth your prints out or cut down the fibrillation on the fabric. Or you could actually use this manually as a heat press where you're loading the DTF, spinning it over to the Stampinator, loading another one while it's being heat pressed, and then doing a fairly rapid heat pressing process on a manual or even on an automatic because it's a standalone unit. At the show, I was told it was seven grand, but here's what's crazy. The manual Stampinator as of today is $1,000. Whoa. So <laughs> I don't know if people are investing in the bigger stuff. And so Stampinator needs to clearance this or what, but to see that kind of a price drop is crazy. And I'm really tempted now for $1,000. <laughs> it's like, well, now it's cheaper than me grabbing like, you know, a stalls heat press. What do you think is going to happen with these kind of competing, uh, these competing products? Yeah. So the equipment manufacturers have to adapt because the market is shifting very fast, like to mm -hmm. this DTF thing. I mean, it makes sense. It's just so easy. Uh, the impress, I was impressed by the impress, right? Yeah. Uh, just but the I think it's still 50 grand. Oh, wow. I did yeah. not know the price. It's not well, cheap. Yeah, it's not cheap, but it, it takes up a, it doesn't take up a lot of space. Uh, yeah. in, in your shop and just to be able to like produce DTF at that speed is like, it's going to, it, it literally could like take your business from a traditional screen printing business into like digital, like just like that, just by being able to produce that speed. So mm -hmm. I think on the manufacturing or the manufacturer side it's the right move. It is demanded by market right now. And also by shops because, uh, you're going to be out of business if you're not adapting. Like, honestly, that's just how I feel. Uh, if you're not adapting this wave of digital and DTF in your business, um, you may not be uh, diverse enough in your business. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, there was a lot going on in the show, but DTF was just taking over. Um, yeah. In the blank side of things, uh, do you have any updates on that Gildan story? Because it feels like there's never any resolution to it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just a quick recap for the folks that hasn't been following. So Gildan, uh, back in December, they made a move uh, to change their CEO. So their CEO was working with them for 20 years. Uh, and the CEO got fired and they replaced the CEO with a new person. That, and in the meantime, they had an interim CEO, but uh, the CEO like was contesting the, the firing, saying that that firing was not just. Uh, they felt he felt that it wasn't done properly. And the CEO went pretty much on a campaign to recruit a lot of just investment uh, companies that was investing in Gildan to support his his cause and these investment companies did agree to support his cause. So they've been putting a lot of pressure on Gildan on the board of directors of Gildan to like reverse the decision that they made to fire him. So that, that uh, that's a quick summary of what happened, but here's the latest thing that's going on with that. Right. So one of the investors, uh, their name is Browning West. They've been pushing back a lot on the, share on on the board to have a meeting but the board has been resistant 
but the board has now agreed to have the meeting and it is set for May the 28th coming up soon. The purpose of this meeting is for them to reverse the decision. But here's what Gildan did though. Gildan uh, had a CEO that they was going to, uh, they had an interim CEO, but they had selected a new CEO that was going to start at a later date. Gildan moved the date forward to start the new CEO. So the new CEO has already started. Uh, so that way Gildan could like lock in their position, or at least the board could lock in their position uh, and give them more leverage. Um, the May 28th meeting, uh, Browning West is seeking to replace majority of the board. So think about it. You go into a meeting with the board where you're looking to replace what's going to happen, right? So uh, that's what's going to happen next. So we'll uh, continue to watch this to see what's going on, um, to see how this all plays out. It's been very, very public. There's been letters going back and forth. There's been a lot of media covering this. Uh, and Gildan was a major player in the in the trade show that we came into. So they had a big presence there. So it was... Even though all this is going on, the company's still operating and they're still uh, selling T-shirts. I think they need Dylan and Andy to get involved. That's the secret. <laughs> I saw what? them working with Gildan, so they need to get Dylan and Andy in there, have them just sort it out. Those guys will know what to do. Um, so in NFL news, uh, they're cracking down right now on counterf counterfeiters really hard. Mm -hmm. including shutting down the D-Spot, which is in Roseville outside of Detroit. The D-Spot was selling uh, counterfeit NFL-endorsed uh, Detroit Lions merch. And, uh, you know, you figure this is going to happen, but also right now, like, the millions or hundreds of millions of dollars in merch that's getting moved by the, the Lions is crazy. And yeah. so they want to keep every dollar of it and they don't want a random print shop grabbing an extra $20, a hoodie, uh, selling bad stuff. I personally think it's good. There's a reason people have licenses and there's a reason people want to protect their brands. Um, but also you feel bad for the D spot because they made an example of it out of this shop. That's like 1100 square foot outside of Detroit. I mean, this is not like a thriving business, so <laughs> it feels bad for them. And I'm sure it'll wreck them or at least put them back, you know, like a whole year if they do survive it. Um, but what do you think about the counterfeit merch right now? Yes, always. I remember when I was young and when a dolphin used to do good. Um, guys just whenever guys just just go around and just selling stuff out of the trunk of their car. Totally. And everybody, everybody knew what was, what was happening. Uh, mm -hmm. So that kind of that story just kind of brought me back to like, Okay, that's how this works. It's <laughs> it's all you know. Uh, so whenever there's energy around, it just creates the perfect opportunity for somebody to make quick buck. And there's no a brand that's more popular in the U.S. than say football and NFL football. Uh, I think we did a story a few year a few weeks ago where we talked about how the NFL is literally trying to lock in the online space where they're trying to like kick out all these smaller players uh, mm -hmm. through like uh, licensing, licensing agreements fanatics. that they have with fanatics, fanatics basically locked down every team. Exactly. So part of me is rooting for the little guy, <laughs> right? So there's one dude in his little shop hustling a thousand Detroit lion shirts. Yeah. Well, he like, doesn't have, 
Yeah, I mean, they're not going to have to do it much longer since they lost. So, yeah. I mean, now we've got 49ers Chiefs going into the Super Bowl, which is a perfect segue to the most important woman in the NFL, Taylor <laughs> Swift. Tell us what happened with Taylor Swift merch. Yeah. All right. So Taylor Swift runs, runs the world, right? Let me say that again. Taylor Swift is the queen of the world, right? Like everybody know who Taylor Swift is. And if you watch any football game, everybody's just kind of sick of the NFL and Taylor Swift right now, just because NFL is riding the wave. But there's a, for screen printers, uh, so if you go to a Taylor Swift concert and you are a VIP at one of the Taylor Swift concert, you get a package. And this package includes uh, the ticket, it includes uh, some merch, it includes a tote bag, uh, but there's been some problem in Taylor Swift world. So uh, the problem that happened was in this package, there was a lot of typos in like the tickets. There was oh, typos really? on, on the merch, right? Yeah. There was uh, like, so whoever was doing it just wasn't, it wasn't going through proper quality control. So uh, a lot of like fans that was, that's buying this uh, VIP ticket uh, and the VIP ticket, uh, here's a comment from somebody. Hey, I paid a lot of money for my VIP seat and box. It sucks that we didn't get a, a city specific poster, but it get worse. We just were shoved with 2023 leftovers, keepstake tickets. How is that okay? Right? So uh, instead of the ticket saying 2024, it says 2023. Instead of the the merch saying the proper city on it, the merch had a different city name. Right? So it's crazy. Um, like, there's no good quality control that was happening within that whole thing for su such a famous person. I wonder who was in charge of that because uh, that those tour jobs are a real nightmare. We've kind of touched like the tour merch world, but we're certainly not big in it. And it is so difficult because you'll get a call when the show lets out that the merch in a certain graphic, a certain size has run out and they have another show in 48 hours. Mm. So, you know, they have like a Thursday night show, a Friday night, a Saturday night, they'll hit, two or three nights in one city at one stop. And you're supposed to somehow re-up those gift stores over and over. And then besides the fact that you're trying to re-up it quickly, in this situation, you probably have a ton of leftover inventory that yeah. you're trying to figure out what to do with. <laughs> so somebody was like, you know what, let's just empty this box tonight and put it in the gift bags because there's way too much of it and we don't know what to do with it. Yeah. So it's unfortunate, but I'm not surprised. At least... They got something considering some of the other merch companies going down. But yeah, it's uh, it's a hard business. It is. And uh, but if you look at it from the fan point of view, uh, some of those tickets, they was they cost over a thousand dollars just to get one of those VIP thing. Yeah. Crazy. So think about you paying that much money and you got something that's expired or outdated or with the wrong city name printed on it. How do you yeah, feel about terrible. that? Yeah. Well, I would bet that the print shop got paid. $12 for that VIP bag, depending on what was in it. And then it gets turned into this massive markup. I'm always surprised by the brands that we've seen where they're going to sell a $90 hoodie or they're going to do a $45 t-shirt and then they beat you up on a $1.25 printing price. Yeah. And it's like, your guys' margin is like 85%. 
but yet you're going to beat up the print shop side and ignore the fact that like there's all these people having a massive margin on the front end. So I don't know. It's hard. It's it's probably not the print shop's fault at all. Most likely there's a merch manager guy somewhere in there that's an agent and he just blatantly made some decisions where he's like, oh, no one will notice. And now there's articles re- being written about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're going you're gonna to get blasted on social media. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you will. So speaking of fads, uh, Stanley, which I've just seen take over the entire cup market recently um, and also is doing really well in the promo space. A lot of people are now pushing Stanley collaborations. Uh, in their promotional emails as something that you can offer to your customers. Mm -hmm. Um, Because right now you can get Stanleys and decorate them. Um, So plenty of people in the promo product space are trying to jump on the Stanley train. And it turns out they have lead in them. So uh, (laughs) some TikTokers went viral putting out this information that if you test your Stanley with lead strips, it'll actually show that there's lead. And... um, after it getting more and more viral that this was a thing, Stanley came out and admitted, yes, there is lead in it, but it's supposedly safe because it's underneath the stainless steel. Meanwhile, if you scratch through the stainless steel, it's no longer protected. So people are saying, like, what's really going on? Are we pretending we're healthy with our 40 ounces of water, but really just drinking lead water every day? (laughs) And imagine being on that roller coaster of being in the company. Like you're in the company, you're doing 70 something million. I heard the year before the guy from Crocs comes in, they go insane. They do 600 million plus in sales. And now all of a sudden you have this backlash where all these people that bought it are like, I can't drink your, your death cup. And so (laughs) it's just been like a psycho ride for this one stupid product that just is putting water in a cup. Like that's all it is. It's water in a cup. And so, yeah, if you're a promotional products company, just be aware you could get some backlash now for the thing that you were offering a week ago as the hottest product on the market. Um, And so there's going to have to be some sort of good answer for the lead question. Stanley says it's not a real issue and it's perfectly safe, but also brands like Yeti do have no lead in them. So there's, you know, a brand like Yeti is just laughing because they don't have to defend this whatsoever. They're just 100% stainless steel. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking about? This is, I remember there was a brand um, that had a major debacle. I'm not sure if you remember this. Chipotle, the food, the the, uh-huh. the restaurant, had a major debacle. And it almost just took them out. But because they handle it like so well, it took the company to like the next level. And, and you saw Chipotle and everywhere you went this is like i almost feel this is that moment for this company where if they handle this properly it's like gonna propel them to next level or if they mm-hmm. mess up like the management the pr and the response is gonna just destroy them that's that's well, what I mean, i'm thinking to, right now to their credit like they admitted that there is lead but then they explained how it's protected so they are not like doing a cover up or dodging questions, but uh, it certainly isn't the look they were going for. So we'll see if they can stay a hot product. Normally, when things are super trendy like this, there's a backlash just because people start making fun of the trend. Yeah. So I don't know how long they're going to be able to sell forty-five dollar cups, but we'll see. 
Yeah. And it could be, I think it could be just that. I think it could be, you know, you get, you, you, you get different energies, man. And you, usually the negative energy is going to win the positive. <laughs> like they was yeah. riding such a, a good wave. So somebody had to go out there and just say something and do something. Yeah. So uh, how's it going inside of steps? Are you guys seeing a pickup in sales? Yeah. So I think, I think the Lone Beach show just, using the little bit of history that we have the Lone Beach show is that time where it goes from like that dead season to okay here we go again right mm -hmm. so because before the start of uh, of January it was like okay like this thing is slow right now what, what's going on and a lot of the conversation I was having with a lot of shop owners they was just feeling very nervous a lot of shop owners was just nervous about like their uh, outlook in their business, like even though most shop owners prep themselves for a slowdown, this year was a lot. They it felt a lot slower than years past. Uh, so a lot of our um, shops they they just started getting nervous, and you know once you start hearing all that, that goes in your brain too. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, I was like, hey, what's going on? So, but after uh, we had a really good show. Uh, talk to people there. Uh, but even if we didn't go, I feel like even if we didn't go to the show, I just started seeing just a natural, just like the orders coming back again. Uh, yep. So it's, a, we had a good moment right now. Yeah. I think everybody's kind of coming back to life. We're getting more quotes, more people talking, more people interested in like general projects. So um, it seems like by March, everyone will be completely slammed. Yeah. Um, we're just kind of like still doing that thing where it's like, oh, yeah, we're quoting this, but I need it February 25th. And you're like, OK, well, we can definitely do that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's good to see that uh, everyone's kind of waking up and it's not like the Armageddon that people thought it was. Yeah. How, how do you feel about Shore Agency right now? Uh, I mean, we're not slammed, that's for sure. But we've got like stuff coming in. We've got orders running. Um, we've got like some part-timers who are getting hours, so there's work to do and it's fine, but it's, uh, still January, you know, like yeah. we're going to be by March, April, we're going to end up with us hiring additional part-timers. Our current part-timers will probably just be told to work all the time. Yeah. So it'll get busier, but at least it's not as bad as it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it seems like it was just a seasonal lull. Yeah. And that story you you say right there is like, it's confident to be, it, it feels confident to be able to say that story because you kind of know what the road ahead will look like. So mm -hmm. uh, a lot of businesses, they just cannot see that. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're in your first year or two or something. Um, yeah. And especially when you see like a seasonal slam. So you're killing it in October, November, and you've got all these hoodie sales and then the hoodie sales inflate your gross. Because even though your gross kind of doesn't matter because it's just cost of goods, you're seeing those like $18 hoodies leave the door and you're like, man, we just did a $6,000 invoice, a $10,000 invoice. Then you start going back into t-shirt land and you're like, oh, it's a $4,000 invoice. <laughs> Meanwhile, your printing cost was identical on both. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like maybe you had a better margin on the blank depending on the deal you made. But for the most part, like you did the same amount of units in printing, you just got excited about those gross numbers. Yeah. 
that's that's a good way to put it all right all right well we're gonna head out thanks for listening don't forget to like subscribe and tell your mom about us and uh have a good week bye peace